What is going on, everybody? Welcome aboard the Soul Train. We've got another episode of Thirsty Thursday today. And man, I am so excited. We've got Cam, the man of Elevated Lawnscapes, with us tonight. Cam, how the hell are you, sir? Hey, man, I cannot complain. This is a... uh... This is a good one. This is a good one. I've been looking forward to this. I'm just as excited as you are. And uh, yeah, man, we're going to dive into this lawn. Everybody's seen it. Uh, probably most of the people that's watching this definitely have. So let's see what that dirt is looking like and uh, see if y'all can't fix some of my issues that I'm having. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing, though. It ain't what, perfect. If you, well, what if you don't have any issues, though? So that's 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 what we got to unpack. Is are there are there issues that need addressed, or is it something that just time's going to fix? You know, maybe maybe a slight change here or there. I don't know. I, I've I've seen pictures through the course of the year. It ain't looking bad, and you know, but there is that never-ending quest for perfection, right? And that's that's kind of what what everybody's on. And I can tell you, after doing this for 13 years, I'm not there yet. So I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll hear yeah. something tonight that will help catapult you in whatever direction that may be. It was kind of it was funny, you know. We were having the conversation before we we came on, and uh, we were talking about iron and uh, and the controversy surrounding iron. Listen, Cam, I, I I'm just I'm curious, and I you know I know we're we're in the in the regular show now, so we can't be extremely controversial, but. What what is the deal? Why why are so many people chasing iron? They're chasing color, like that. It's that's a, the thing. It's, it's a it's, false it's, sense of security, though, isn't it? That that's exactly what. So that video that I made was exactly because of that. I mean, it's a it's a false sense of security. Um, so if you're not happy with your color, the way that I see it, in my opinion, if you're not happy with your color figure out what the root cause of that is. I mean, is your pH off? I mean, iron becomes less available at higher pHs. So is your pH off? I mean, do you have enough iron already in your soil? Um, Maybe you're low. Did you even do a soil test to figure that out? Like, so do you have some Kentucky 31 that it just ain't gonna get dark? Um, And a lot of people are chasing (laughs) color. So that, that's the thing, man. I, I like to get down to the root cause of the problem. And then if a soil test tells you that you're low in iron, throw it down. And that's a great point. And, you know, I, I appreciate so much you wanting to put forth the effort to figure out the why. Um, because that's ultimately what my quest became, right? When I, when I first got into this was at first it was, you know, how do I make yards look good? Uh, and then it was, how do I, how do I stop screwing up while I'm out here? And then it was, why are these individual things happening when I do these, whatever it is I do, whenever I input a, why do I get B result? Right. And then that quest for why turned into this lifelong, I mean, you know, really three years into it is where I started asking the why question. And so, you know, for 10 years now, I've been hammering into it and I still haven't figured it out. And so I've got a long way to go. And I'll tell you, one of the keys for me of trying to figure out the why is you build relationships, right? And so I think it's important to go ahead and introduce Mr. Ray Ito here, who has answered the question why I can't tell you how many hundreds of times to how many different thousands of people around the world. How the hell are you, Ray? Welcome. I'm doing good today. I'm doing good. 
that's good. I was worried you wouldn't be doing good, and uh, and we may never mind. <laughs> I'm glad you're what? here and you're doing. Oh good, no, right? <laughs> no! I mean, what, what, what the hell, Matt? What the hell? Because well, we were no, talking every, about the soundproof room before and all that, and I was like, oh boy, Ray may be in a weird headspace, but no, no, not at all. Ray is doing good no, today. No, 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 and you know, knowing why something happens, especially when it relates to grass is I think that's essentially what I'm all about. You know, that's just the, you know, that just, you, you just hit on what I'm about, actually. Now, I want to find out why and address it. <laughs> here's here's kind of the thing, you know, uh, I, I would say my brain is geared more towards in engineer's brain, just because my dad is an engineer, Cam, I know you're an engineer. And so, you know, you, you think that way yeah. you have to think about that problem solving, uh, a set of approaches to whatever it is you're doing in your, in your real life. Um, Ray, do you come from more of a philosophical stance or more from an engineering stance? What, what, what leads you in your quest to why I'm just curious. I think it's uh, it's a combination because I too have, you know, my father was an engineer as well. Oh damn it! Here we go. Oh yeah, that that's but all it takes. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense. But 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 you know, that aside, uh, I'm just on a quest for actual, you know science and truth and my goodness i know i'm extremely hard on dogmas that masquerades as science <laughs> i'm even harder on product advertisements that masquerade as science and i, I want to we'll see more of that later too. For everybody at home, uh, Ray is an equal opportunity hater of all sorts. Um, he would, if 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 I came at Ray with some with some BS, he would call me on my BS, and he'd call me an idiot. He's done it before. He would gladly do it again. Uh, it's it's not a big thing there, and you know you can't take those things personally from Ray if he calls you out on something. All you can do is hit the books harder, really, in all honesty. I mean, that is the the solution, right? Is if you get called out for something like that, hit the books harder to either understand why you made the judge or to create some sort of justification uh, for your particular situation that may or may not make sense or, um, you know, to understand why you actually may be in the wrong. You know, you can you can kind of play with it however you want there. But uh, that's that's the that's the key to success is um, if someone does say something about it, Hit the books, study, study more, learn more. There's, It's an endless opportunity. Like I said, the whole reason I have stuck in this career path, one, I failed as an engineer. Uh, two is I learned something new every day. If a day went by in this industry that I didn't learn something new, I would have left it a long time ago. I promise you, the moment I get bored, I bounce and I run. Listen, you know, I'm married to someone not from the United States of America, and there's a, a great cultural divide there. But you know what keeps me invested in that relationship? We learn something new about each other every day, right? And it's that it's that lifelong quest of learning that I have to have personally in order for me to say stay uh, vested in whatever it is I'm doing, right? 
And, uh, and so that's what the green industry is for me. I don't know why I'm getting all weird and sentimental about that, but on the quest of why, uh, is DeMay back yet? Or is he, is he still, no, there he is. We can't leave him out. We can't leave him out. Mr. Ryan Dismay is here in the house. (laughs) Turn your mic on, sir. (laughs) <laughs> we can't we can't hear you turn your mic on oh man i messed that up no somebody turned it off on me so <laughs> I, i'm gonna get philosophical for a minute um oh, here we go you know i like to look at myself <laughs> as an apache gunship and i like to think of my lawn as a tarmac and you know what when a whole bunch of things that i don't know what they're doing there show up on my tarmac sometimes i got to go to the flight manual and figure out what to do right and in the tar- always in the flight manual. So that was a joke for one person and one person only. I'm going to let that slide and keep going. Um, <laughs> it was you know, good, Brian. It was good. That's some <laughs> real inside baseball there. Stuff. If I have ever heard inside baseball, I mean, dude, that one that you, was so far you, inside. You, you almost beamed me with it. Yeah. Um. I'm stepping back from the plate. So anyhow, uh, stepping back. Yeah, yeah. I brushed you off. I brushed you off. Um, I agree. You know, I, I'm, I always enjoy having people like Cam on because, like, he's just out there doing it. And I think you know, you guys talked about an engineering background and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have that in my family. You know, my uh, I did not have you know a strong science background in school. Didn't really care for it, quite honestly. And uh, in high school and things like that, it wasn't until college I figured all that stuff out and really got into it but uh i'm just a i think i'm more of a product of um making myself uncomfortable and working my way out of it like so i gotta go learn you know hey how are we gonna do this what situation i need to put myself in to learn this rather than just you know it's not enough for me to just read about it like i gotta go do it right and sometimes uh the situations and opportunities don't always arise the way that you want it to so i go out and create those opportunities to make myself uncomfortable with turf that's my job now. What, what a what a what a career path that is. Uh, but now we've kind of unpacked what makes everybody look. Cam, what makes you tick, man? Just lay it out there. We're going heavy right now. Get as heavy as you need to be. <laughs> all right, if we're going heavy, I'm, I'm gonna just take it all the way back. Um, I've been, I've always loved grass. Love grass from day one. Um, I grew up in North Carolina. We were, first house that we were in um, that I remember. I mean, we had probably three acres, three or four acres. And at least two of that was grass. And um, I had, I cut, I started cutting at that house at maybe six, seven. I'll tell you, I was so young that I actually had to put a cinder block in the seat of a of the riding mower to keep the blades engaged while I was cutting because I was, I didn't weigh <laughs> enough to keep the blades engaged. So I, I'll tell you, I was that young. <laughs> and um, from there, like I've always just loved a nice stand of turf, and that's what I've always wanted. So once I bought my first house, mission number one was that for me. Um, and I actually hired a service to be able to do it 
and they just couldn't get me there because moving in, like it was a foreclosure. So I had a bunch of projects in the house to do. I just didn't have time to do it. And they couldn't get me across the finish line. So I fired two of them. And one of them still takes care of my neighbor's lawn. And the guys, every time they come make an application and I'm outside, they'll walk over and they're like, man, your yard looks good. And in my head, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I fired Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at that point, like I've always just been, I've been striving to do that. I've been striving and you'll hear it in my videos. Like if you're trying to have that immaculate lawn or garden, you gotta, you gotta put some work in. And that's the other thing that I understand is it's gonna take time and it's gonna take work. And um, that's what I try to communicate on my channel. I try to let people know that, hey, it, it ain't gonna happen overnight. Um, and there's no magic dust. You ain't gonna be able to go out there and just throw a magic product, a magic seed down, and everything's gonna be amazing. Um, you gotta do a little research. You gotta do some studying and learn some things. And then over time, you can go ahead and uh, you can get there. You can get there. Well, now I, I, let's start taking a look at these soil tests. Let's see what you're working with, and uh, and then and then kind of gauge and try and try and tie all this together somehow, some way, as gracefully as gracefully as we possibly can. I guess we'll start in your front yard and we'll work our way to the back. Uh, just because that's how it's in my feed. And, you know, looking at this right here, there's nothing that just absolutely stands out to me as as being um, a, a gigantic issue. Um, in a, okay. Like, at all. At all. I look at this, I say, all right, we're teetering with critical levels of deficiency of phosphorus. We're low in sulfur. Aside from that, nothing really additionally needs to be done here that I'm looking for, right? Uh, if you need the additional sulfur, um, you're not low in potassium. You, I, you're right there at the edge of, of being sufficient, you know, is, is 120 yeah. parts per million, you know, that's recommended on this test going to give you any kind of competitive advantage over 91? No, because you've met the critical level of deficiency. Now, typically when I dip below 100 on potassium, that's where I make sure I'm going to start getting it back up. So that means I'm applying at the very minimum half of what I'm applying in nitrogen, right? So if I'm applying four pounds of N, I'm at minimum applying two pounds of K. Uh, so anything you do over two pounds of K, you're you're raising your potassium levels, right? So that's... Okay. Kind of going in the back of my head, your phosphorus levels, yes, technically they're low. Yes, you're at the critical level of deficiency, but you only need a pound per year to maintain that level. Um, and so, you know, realistically, you know, how much do you, how many applications of phosphorus do you need to make throughout the year to get a pound down? You know, not many, right? So even yeah. if you just applied it at seed season and maybe the application after seed season, you could get a year's worth of phosphorus in just a couple of applications. And it doesn't, it doesn't leach, right? That's kind of the beautiful thing about phosphorus is that as long as you have coverage across your soil, you don't have to worry about it leaching. You're in Maryland. I don't want it to get into the Chesapeake Bay. That's already a hot topic, right? And so, yep. you know, because your soil test allows you to apply phosphorus, that's great. And you, and you know, you can, um, but I don't think it should be something that you go out there with every application 
that you're just hammering it with super triple phosphate, hammering it with super triple phosphate to try and get that number up to 60 to 80 parts per million, right? It's not, your, your return on investment isn't there uh, from an ecological standpoint, the return on investment isn't there. And, uh, and that way, you know, if you ever get called on it, you know, you'd be like, well, no, look, I'm very careful with my phosphorus. I'm applying it as I need it. And, uh, you know, I'm yep. maintaining it here at the MLSN level. And so, you know, get off my, my duts. So looking here, it, I mean, really the only thing I would recommend is that as a, as a, a potassium source, you use potassium sulfate apply phosphorus at seed season. And then the rest of it from that standpoint is, you know, it's going to be pretty much standard run of the mill stuff. Your big one is going to be, um, uh, uh, because of your CECs, what we were talking about beforehand, and I, we'll go ahead and bring it up now. You know, you are, you are technically on that sandier side of things. And so it would make more sense from an application standpoint to do uh, greater frequency, lower rates, spoon feed approach, right? Would make sense because of the, uh, because of the structure here. And that's, that's really about it. From that point forward to gain any kind of sort of competitive advantage, you know, it's going to be how astutely and accurately you identify, uh, things or prepare for things before they have the opportunity to develop. Right. So it's, you know, how quickly can you, um, look at the conditions in your forecast and say, all right, I've got real high probability of dollar spot. I'm getting down a preventative fungicide for dollar spot, or, you know, I may, I may keep it running a little bit, a little bit strong right here in this period, because I know I'm at for dollar spot or, you know, I'm moving into peak Pythium season. I've got a stretch of 98 degree days and 78 degree nights, you know, right. let's get my methanoxum down or, you know, you know, run my phosphites or whatever it is I do. And, um, and so it's th that little bit of fine tuning beyond your soil test, because here, you know, I'm not, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing abnormal, uh, to, to justify, you know, going, going apeshit with any real one thing. Gentlemen, what are y'all looking at? What are y'all seeing here? Anything, anything y'all are getting excited about? For me, nothing really. I mean, this is pretty good soil, a uh, little bit of, uh, phosphorus a little bit of potassium and of course with your lower cec please spoon feed do not soil load you know that's that's my that's my only word to you please you know please spoon feed because uh there's a limit as to how much grass can uptake anyway and whatever the grass doesn't uptake it's probably going to become an environmental pollutant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the spoon feeding, like you said, is definitely um, one of the things that I adopted this year. Um, and I started experimenting mm -hmm. with it a little, a little bit last fall. Um, as after I overseeded, I went out and I was doing real low rates, more frequent applications and the lawn just responded. I mean, it, given it was the fall, but I could also just tell that it just was more consistent over a longer period of time. So I rolled that in to this year and I'm definitely getting a more consistent result for a longer period of time over the season. Whereas last year I was getting that flush and right. even not even flushes of growth. It was flushes of color and health 
and everything else. I get about to that three week mark, maybe four weeks. And just because I'm paying attention to it, I can see it start to decline. Like it just didn't look quite the same. And then get to the five, six week mark, make an application and boom, it springs back up. Um, and then I started doing my research, looking into stuff and I'm like, all right, took a look at what the CEC actually meant for my soil test over the winter. And then that just confirmed why I needed to be spoon feeding through this season. And it just worked out so much better this year. So one person Hell in yeah. the chat uh, mentioned uh, your organic matter was low at a 1.4%. And I just want to clarify a couple of things here. Uh, is is that low? <laughs> Not necessarily. Okay. And uh, here's here's what I mean, right? So you can take the approach of, all right, I'm going to go raise my organic matter levels for whatever reason, you know, someone may believe they need to do it. Um, truly, the only thing you're going to be getting out of your organic matter levels going up is going to be additional free nutrient release, right? But how much material do you need to apply to get that to come up is a totally different story. And let me explain. If you applied 2,000 pounds across an acre, right, and a furrow slice, which is an acre of soil, is going to be 2 million pounds, you're going to move the needle 0.1% on your organic matter level. So that's if you apply 2,000 pounds per acre. That's a lot of material. Which is 40, would be, 44 yeah. pounds per thousand. Yeah. So yeah, a lot. To, to put that into perspective, you know, like you, you can get out there, you can go get you a couple truckloads, dump truckloads of organic matter and, you know, maybe across the 10,000 square foot yard, move it up 8%, right? If you put down, uh, uh, you know, four and a half inches of, of good rich compost and that's awesome and that's great, but good luck growing the grass in it because now you've created this layer right? That, that where your grass is going to attempt to grow, it's going to hold an excessive amount of water and whatever you perceive to have experienced as far as a bad disease season, you have no idea what kind of disease season you would face if you had a four inch layer of compost growing grass in it. That is a whole new world of hurt and pain. I don't wish upon anybody. It's not fun. It's not good for your grass. And uh, it's not good for the environment either because of how much money you would have to end up spending on fungicide and how many fungicide applications you end up making. So anyway, Demay, you're looking Jeez, at oh, we gonna, we, we gonna get <laughs> We're going to get into talking about uh, fungicides and disease when we get to the back. <laughs> Excellent. I can't wait. Okay. I can't wait either. Demay, you're looking at this. Where where are you having a mental breakdown? Are you having a mental breakdown? Are you feeling good? This is boring. I mean, this is a, a good, boring <laughs> soil where, you know, <laughs> you know, this is Thursday night right after sports before, you know, Fallon starts his monologue. Maybe, you, you know, you get a little frisky with it every three weeks or something like that. But other than that, you know, you can uh, you can stay on the glide path here and have a pretty good time. I think. You know the um, the end source that you're choosing here. You could really go either way. I mean, it's not going to bother you one bit to go ammonium sulfate, urea, pretty much anything you want. But again, is trying to dial in those rates. And then the the thing I would tell you for you know going into this fall and into the following summer, spring and summer, really, 
is now that you kind of know your timing, like the the rhythm and the pace, the frequency that you need to hit to flatten out, right? Mm-hmm. And modulate that curve of growth and that curve of color is uh, look at, you know, your clipping yields too, you know? So, you know, we talk about this a lot in pro turf where, you know, trying to correlate and applications and the timing thereof to what we're seeing in terms of clippings, right? So clippings go up, we back off end. Clippings go down, we push up on end, right? So it's trying to find that baseline, right? And if you if you so desire, right, you want to push the envelope a little bit more into that space of uh, spoon feeding, I think it's a good exercise to try. Now, here's the thing is that you don't need to do like the entire lawn and put that all in like a 55-gallon trash can away that. You can literally just go out with, you know, a bagging lawnmower, pick out the same spot. So, you know, hey, I'm going to mow the strip, the 20-foot strip right in front of the air conditioner. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But mow that 20-foot strip every single time you mow. Put that into, you know, they make a trash can that's got graduations up in liters or gallons. Go ahead and take that, look at that, and figure out and plot it on a curve. And then you can see, hey, all right, well, I made a nitrogen application two weeks ago, and it looks like it, 11 days or the second week after I made that application, that's when we peaked, right, in terms of our growth. Gotcha. Then you can start to really dial in, right, those peaks and valleys and make that as flat of a line as possible. You'll also see, too, the influence that weather has on that, right? So what Matt was talking about, even in even in low CEC soils, you know, you're going to see, you know, with that 1.4%, that's, that's a pretty good amount of free nitrogen return, right? You're going to see, I don't know, Ray, what do you think? Probably like 70 pounds of the acre or something like that on a soil like this. I'm, I'm just guessing here yep. off of, you know, just raw numbers. So 70 pounds per acre cam, meaning that you're going to get roughly a pound and a half of free nitrogen release off your OM every year, right? So whatever you put down at a pound and a half, and especially in your climate in the summertime, you better believe that your mineralization rates are cranking, right? Just as that pythium's firing up too. Yay. So <laughs> it's all stuff that, um, you know, Ray, Ray can tell you this too, especially on low CEC soil, nitrogen management is king. Like learning how to really dial that in. The people like me here in the Midwest that have, you know, generally speaking, high CEC soils, it's easy street. You know, we can do whatever we want. We can, we could spoon feed if we want. We can go with a slow release product, right? We can go with something in the middle too. But in your case, and the folks that are in the same situation as you, learning how to manage that end and and doing everything that you can uh, to put yourself in a situation where you're not having those peaks and valleys, and you still will from time to time. There's something, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. there's weather you can't anticipate. You learn as you go, though, and you plot that data out and make the invisible visible. So, but uh, to the OM people, you know, you know, we were talking about iron right there at the beginning is where, you know, where did this ledge come from OM of uh, people kind of going right up to the edge and feeling like they needed to jump all the way in? Does anybody know where that came from? Because I come from a world where we're trying to remove as much of that as possible. <laughs> like, it's completely, you know, it's totally on the, the lawn direction. care side. It is, and it's it's knee deep in the lawn care side too. Um, and I don't, you know, to kind of play into what you were talking about, nitrogen management. I I think that is the piece that's overlooked that you're actually getting by managing your OM OM levels, you know, into a, a certain range. There is 
you're 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 getting free nitrogen. It was funny. I was actually I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, you know, they were talking about how you know they they renovated their yard and then for two years uh, they ran uh, various products that were uh, you know hot, organic based or uh, organic blended types of products for a couple years and then they took a year off and have been not applying hardly any nitrogen whatsoever, have been applying more biostimulants and are like, hey, I'm having just the most unbelievable results right now. And so we were kind of having a real deep dive into the conversation. Well, a lot, you know, organic matters, it's going to be a three-year release on it. You know, that first year, you may get out 40%, 50%. The next year, you may only get out 20 and then you'll get the balance of it on the third year. And so it makes sense that if you have run that kind of program and then you pull the plug on it, you still have all that OM that has to go through mineralization. That's free nitrogen that you're out there getting. So regardless of what you're putting out, you're still feeding the plant nitrogen because it's actually in the soil as organic matter. And that's going to go through mineralization and that's what's providing you that. And so what my, my warning to him was, was, um, be wary because next year it's not going to perform as well because you will have mineralized a lot of that organic matter. And then the, the, the year after that is where you're opening yourself up for a world of hurt because you've exhausted as much of your uh, organic matter mineralization as you can. And you've got to start replacing those inputs from somewhere. And if you don't, you're going to be caught with your pants down because the lawns are going to start fading so quickly that, uh, that you're way behind the eight ball at that point. So, not exactly the the situation we're running into here, but just as uh, you know, oh. kind of a um, uh, in an overall perspective. Corollary, how, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's 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 funny that you say that because um, I have not renovated my front yard. Uh, my front yard is just what was here before. Um, I did a real good overseeding with some quality seed the last year. This is by far the best season I have ever had in my front yard hands down. But one thing that I will say, I've only put a pound, just under a pound and a quarter of in on my front yard all season. And it's growing like wildfire. It's outgrowing like the rest of like it's, I'll have to cut the front yard before I've got to cut anything else. And I've only put, I've probably only applied that pound and a quarter the my last application i think was back in early or late april and i yeah. haven't applied anything from an end standpoint since then all summer and it's still been outgrowing everything else in my yard you know talking you about that, that pound and a half go ahead Exactly. We're talking about that mineralization rate of your organic yeah. matter. That's where your the the primary driver of that of that nitrogen is coming from. Yeah, the so heat, you're still getting it from somewhere, even though you may not yeah, be applying it. It's still coming from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those situations too, where if you've got healthy growing turf, you're going to be not depleting. You know, so people would say, okay, hey, like what Matt said you're depleting that. If you're still going to apply nitrogen fertilizer, even in the spring and fall, and you've got healthy turf, like it's going to continue to produce organic matter that goes down in there. Right. Matter. So right. not, right. not right. thatch, not thatch, but the, the couple yeah. things I wanted to add to this real quick 
and and uh, ask Ray to uh, tee up here for the audience. So, you know the the application of compost over turf sites is well documented, well studied, right? And there do, there is a de- point of diminishing returns that comes you know very quickly if you're very aggressive with it, right? So, Ray, can you just talk about number one muck soils, right? And what can happen when we over apply, right? in the hopes of, you know, changing this one particular number that quite honestly isn't as important as people make it out to be, number one. And number two, the, the you know, the mineralization and everything that we're talking about, we're talking about the nitrogen cycle, but just tell folks in lay terms about the carbon to nitrogen ratio and why that's so important when we start to try and balance these two things up between compost or organic matter applications and then uh, nitrogenous fertilizer applications. Okay. High carbon materials generally need a certain amount of nitrogen in order to mineralize themselves. Or what will happen is organic matter will actually take nitrogen out of the soil. And when that happens, plants will actually have a hard time growing. And that is why, for example, everybody. What is the favorite mulch to use to retard weed, weed growth in landscaped areas? Undecomposed wood chips or sawdust. Why does that work? It is probably because that organic matter, without the nitrogen to go with it, then takes the nitrogen out of the upper layer of soil. And as a result, that's a very inhospitable environment for a lot of weeds to grow and ryan you brought up muck soils uh i frequently run into muck like soils because the convention in my area is to do this take 50 percent high clay soil Combine that with partially decomposed and finely shredded or ground organic matter, and then proceed to plant turf grass and ornamentals into that media. My goodness. uh, And and what happens when they do that, Ray? What what is the result of that turf growing in that kind of soil? uh, Welcome to Piscium and Large Patch. If you can even, get and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Piscium and Large Patch. Uh, welcome to certain weeds that tend to enjoy having a lot of excess moisture, like nutsedge, because you know when you create a muck or a bog, uh, there went your drainage. Okay, there went your soil drainage because. Ideally, you have soil, you should have soil or soil media where you have some measure of control over the water where if you do irrigation or else if it rains, you can count on that soil drying out in a timely manner and not just be wet after one rain or one irrigation event for days on end. Because when it's wet for days on end, uh, that is not a good time at all. 
you know, you're not going to have fun maintaining or managing your turf at all. No. And not to say that this is Cam's lawn, but it, I was going to say it never rains in the mid-Atlantic, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it never rains. <laughs> and then yeah, it, it, it doesn't rain. Through 98 degrees yeah, go. yeah, it never rains. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so have, you, have you ever okay. cut down a tree and not ground out or had had the uh, <laughs> had the stump ground out and not gotten all the wood chips out before you laid soil all over it and then try to grow grass in that spot? I've you never experienced that one. I hate those. The people. grass dies for three years. It's 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 just it's a written unwritten rule somewhere out in space that the grass <laughs> is going to die three years in a row. I promise it's written somewhere out there on a damn asteroid or something. I thought that was zoysia. No, get out of that's, here. That's any grass. That is not zoysia. Any, zoysia any grass. Goes straight through that. Yeah, that's actually Trigger any alert. grass. So. It's going to have a bad so, time. So, Matt, I'm going to test that theory. I'm going to test that theory because my neighbor <laughs> just cut down two trees. They just cut down two trees, and they've got a ton of wood chips still laying on the ground. And I guarantee you the lawn care company that I fired is going to aerate and seed right over top of it. Guarantee it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what you need to tell happens them. Hey, next summer? If this works out right, guys, your grass will be dead for three years. Can you wait and see if it's? This is my science fair experiment. I really need you to help me out. I got the whole like three part folding poster board and everything, and this is going to be a picture from each year that this this spot was dead because this lawn care company sucks, and I fired him three years ago. But that's irrelevant, right? <laughs> one star Yelp review. One star Yelp review. You'll see weird. Uh, I, I I promise this is this is uh, you know purely empirical here, but I could swear increased grub pressure in that in that area. I mean, like really high concentrations of grubs in those areas. I, I felt like I would come across. It could it could just be the ones I experienced, but it, and I could totally be just making Matt, it up. But I promise I you're not making that. you're not making it up. You're not okay. making it up because. Oh, I forgot to mention the other thing that I I get as a result of that, you know, high organic matter, quote unquote, enriched soil is I get grubs and even termites just chomping away at the uh, ornamentals and turf grass. And it's just, uh, and you know what really pisses me off about that whole scenario is that people are told to use this kind of soil. It's the best thing in the world because this is going to reduce your chemical use. Can somebody please tell me huh? how it reduces chemical use when you've invited diseases, you've invited grubs, and you've invited termites? I've never heard that. Is that is that for real? Somebody said that? Or Bennett? No, that 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 is how the high organic matter thing is sold. I've oh, wow. I've heard it. You've heard it, Cam? You you heard that? I've heard I've okay. heard it I've heard it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, only- it, that that is that is where uh 
at some point you want to reduce chemical use uh bring me the bulldozer followed by the truckloads of sand and then i'll cut down your chemical use promise because we're going to scrape off all of this organic matter contaminated media push it back up to the mountains and replace it all with sand <laughs> don't worry about the carbon footprint of those, that d6 and all those triaxle dump trucks that's irrelevant <laughs> and, and it composts right it'll compost and once it starts yes. composting you know it's going to operate at 160 f and it'll be hot and uh and i don't know if you've ever exposed turf grass to 100 and, between 130 and 160 degrees fahrenheit in the middle of the summer but it does not like that and uh and so that also is going to contribute to the rate of death you see over that three-year period sometimes it takes longer I'll, I, i've seen that happen too too so um okay. and a, a lot of times from a lawn care perspective i'll tell you what i used to think the appropriate action was was to fertilize it more aggressively and that just is like putting gasoline on the composting fire, right? And so it more composts it, yeah. even hotter. Yeah, and, uh, and <laughs> it, it just it dies that much faster. You can starve it in, and uh, the temperature may drop a little bit, but you're not going to stop it from composting, and it's still going to die anyway. So it's just, do you want it to die in two weeks or do you want it to die in twelve days? Uh, you know, kind of pick your poison there. So I don't it's, know. It's Matt. a weird thing. You know, Organic matter is a weird thing, and it's it's there's 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 a ton of information out there about it but um so much of it is so much of the information that's out there about it is that it, it there's only a positive to it right um you know if you just did organic just did organic just did organic and there's there's way more complexity that goes along with it especially when you're talking about managing high end turf fine turf versus you know a yard that you know, ah, it's good enough. You know what I mean? Like if you got a yard that, ah, it's good enough, then, you know, all right, you got one spot that dies in the front yard where he had a cherry tree cut down two years ago. That's ah, all right. You know, that kind of sort of thing. But if you're chasing what well, you're chasing, Cam, and you want to understand the why, that's when, you know, unpacking the story of organic matter goes a little bit further. And I think it's funny. This is also kind of a funny thing here is in relation to soil health is, you know, Demay reading all these, uh, um, uh, studies that I hear have recently, so many of the studies are quantifying soil health as potentially mineralizable pools, uh, pools of carbon and nitrogen. And nitrogen applications tend to have the biggest influence over potentially mineralizable carbon and nitrogen. Go figure. Isn't that interesting? And so in relation to soil health, just applying nitrogen produced by those metrics the healthiest soil in relation to using a carbon-based fertilizer to promote soil health. It was driven by N-rate, not by the input of organics or carbon. Isn't that interesting? No, I was going to say that. That's a very key point that you just added there because some people would look at that and spin it and say, well, you know, what, what, what was your source, right? Were you using organic source? Was there, you know, carbon applied at the same time? There's many ways that marketing folks would spin that, right? And so... Again, you know, and I just want to wrap up on the organic matter topic and just say <laughs> that in basic agronomy, right, it's something you look at, but it's not something you freak out over. 
I mean, the only the only time I would freak out over an organic matter content would be if I had a sand-based system, right? Sand-based root zone, true sand-based root zone, and I was north of like three, three and a half, because then I'm going to slow down filtration rates. I'm going to have major issues on my surface from a uh, drainage perspective and from a playability perspective. Now, that's not the same as a lawn. I understand that, but I'm, I'm you know, again, don't know everything. I'll, I'll give the same uh, grass factor help desk disclaimer as I don't know everything. I'm, I'm not a wizard, um, but there is one on the Internet if you want to go find him. Um, <laughs> the... But uh, what I will JP. say there, yes, what I will say, though, is that uh, you know, just just stick to basic agronomy and things will be fine because that's uh, nothing to freak out over. Like there's, I don't know, it's a marketing tactic. It's a marketing ploy. It's plain and simple. Um, I don't know, Ray, anything else you have to add? Okay. Provided you are growing healthy vigorous grass which it looks like you are ignore organic matter because talk you know going back to what ryan said you give me a hundred percent sand growing media you tell me to grow grass on it i will turn that six inches of sand from white to brown in one year or less. And you know how I'm going to do it? Humic acid? I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it by just growing grass. Growing taking grass care of it. Yeah, taking care of basic agronomy, NPK plus micronutrients. I mean, that's, uh, that's as simple as you can get. You know, NPK plus micronutrients right amount, right source, right rate, and right times. You know, Ryan and I are actually going to harp on this a lot from here on out. <laughs> you know, get your agronomy Can't, right. So that, that, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, was, that, was one of the, that was one of the things that I wanted to point out. And as I've been learning and doing more of my research is, Growing grass will change your soil. Like, like there, there's just oh yeah. If you've got clay soil, if you've got sandy soil, whatever the case may be, once you start to get grass growing in it, the root cycling, everything else that happens, things are gonna die off. Roots are gonna die. That now is gonna increase your organic matter. Whatever the case may be, growing grass on it is gonna help build that soil structure and it's going to start to change over time which is why like i feel like this year was a success for me in my backyard because now i have a foundation of turf that's going to continue to mature and every year like it's going to get more and more mature and it's just going to have more and more root zones like i'm all about pushing root mass and everything else now to help change some of the organic matter numbers and all of that without applying organic matter to the soil. Yeah, your turf grass will increase organic matter levels in your soil faster than any other type of amendment shy from, uh, you know, scraping away 
what you currently have, you know, blending a whole new growing media and then replacing it. Right. Um, because that's just no big the, deal. the beautiful thing about the efficiency of the plant. Right. Yeah. Which is a super easy undertaking. It's cheap. So yeah. I get why people do it. It's just growing grass. It builds strong, be... build strong marriages too. It really does. <laughs> Scrape, <laughs> scraping away the backyard. Yep. Sweetheart. I know we were going to go on vacation this year, but you know what? We're going to go on a vacation in the backyard that's full of compost and biosolids, which is, you know, basically just our shit without some of the bad stuff. And I think it's going to be swell. Don't you? Oh, 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 Ryan, man. Oh, you should have saw when I killed off the whole backyard and uh, (laughs) my wife thought I was crazy. I killed off the whole backyard, put irrigation in, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so she could not see the vision, and she was like, you have no idea what you're doing. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and you were just like, watch me. Watch me. Watch, me, hey, watch me work. <laughs> that's, that's the thing I will say about people that try to do it right and everything like that is, you know, something we don't talk about. It's a very important topic. It was the uh, political capital that is expended, right, on just the maintenance side of it, let alone the projects, right? And, um, yeah, you want to have every ounce of success that you have so you can always say, well, you remember that time I did the backyard, sweetheart, and it worked out beautifully, <laughs> wonderful. Why would you doubt my, my skills, my abilities, my knowledge? You know, I can do it. I can do anything. And, you know, if, if you get real egocentric, you can say, hey, and look at my iron levels, too. They're right on point. You know, and she'll be like, hey, they are. They are. You are. Oh, love your iron levels, baby. I love them. Yep. 108 parts per million. Mm. Rich yep. blood. That's Rich blood. Yep. Right on point. You know, Ryan, that. What? Uh, expending expenditure of political capital. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I actually get husbands in trouble because you make them look bad. No, 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 no. I don't make them look bad. Uh, it's just that I kind of get in trouble. No, I I get, I I get him in trouble because, uh, the wife looks at the lawn after I'm, I'm done with it. And she's looking at her other half and, uh, I hear it all the time. Honey, we had green grass last week. Now it looks like a beach. Uh, What did, what happened? (laughs) And I have to step in and say, wait, 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 hang on, because this is going to grow back. And when it grows back, it's going to look like a golf course. So, you know, don't kill him yet. (laughs) Don't kill him yet. Right. (laughs) You got to tell her about your iron levels too and let her know that, you know, you can get that from eating red meat or pink meat. So don't worry about it. It's all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's look at the backyard. The backyard has one distinct figure that stands out to me. Um, everything else looks, you know, pretty much the same. pH is a little high. I mean, really the only thing I would do with that is make sure you use an ammonium sulfate as your in source. But look at our, look at our phosphorus level here. A little bit different. yeah jacked yeah a little <clears throat> bit up there but yeah so, i won't panic about this i'm not panicking yeah 
You know what? You know what I would tell I, you to do though is don't need to put phosphorus. Simple. <laughs> Save your money. Bag it. Bag it. And and that's and those two things, Ray and Ryan. Those are two things that I've been doing all of this year in the backyard. Um, everything has been zero phosphorus, and I've been bagging the entire season um, in the backyard. Mm. Yeah. Was there anything done between the front yard and the backyard? I'm just looking at that organic matter. Like, were you doing like male organite or something back there just to get the phosphorus so high and maybe organic matter so high? Just kind of just curious. I mean, yep. So, what would you attribute that to? So, the backyard was top dressed with uh, kind of like a compost like material. It was a garden soil. Okay. Yep. So, and yep, at that point, that is that is where I realized I was like, as soon as I took this soil test and compared it to the front yard, and I was like, boom, there's the there's the difference. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also good sampling and good, you know, again, people. I, I don't. I think for the most part, they do um, understand how to take soil samples in the sense of if your maintenance practices have been different, if construction methods have been, have been different, whatever, if you're trying to really decipher down and figure out what's going on, then you've really got to break those tests down. And I like the way that you've done that. You know, here, it gives us a lot to work with and pick out different nuances. Hell you know, if you yeah. had just had, yeah, hell yeah. Um, if you had just a, you know, a, a hodgepodge of samples from the front and the backyard, we wouldn't know anything different. Yep. We'd probably be like, man phosphorus looks pretty good go ahead and roll you know we probably would have said n only right and you've been wasting money up here so and yeah. matt can tell you phosphorus prices man you want to get on some <laughs> on some futures contracts right now make some money go for it get over there to the c-bot spot chicago board trade get yourself some phosphorus futures right now yeah uh and you know when it's kind of that difference between buying for your property and then, you know, buying for a hundred properties and a thousand properties and 5,000 properties is, uh, you know, it becomes more imperative, but I think specifically for, for you and where you're at so close to the Chesapeake too, and all eyes on mm -hmm. you kind of sort of thing. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, an easy, it, it feeds into the narrative and it's an easy thing to show that, you know, look, I've got a soul test that shows this, and this is why I don't apply phosphorus and immediately that lends you so much credibility uh, from my perspective, from outside perspective, from university perspective. I mean, that's just, that's the appropriate step to take and you took it and kudos to you and, uh, and, you know, doing, doing something about it, you know, adjusting your management strategies to, uh, to, to, to be proactive about that is, I mean, that's all anybody asked for. And the, and the fact that you took the time to learn that and then execute on it is, I mean, that's just, that's so top notch that, um, yeah, I just, I respect the absolute holy hell out of that. I appreciate it. And and that, that's just one of the things that, that I try to do. Um, well, one, continue to learn. Like I don't have all the answers. I don't have the answers. Well, one thing that I can say is if I don't, I'm going to do my damnedest to try to go figure out what the answer is and the right way to go do it. Um, and the other thing is, 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 is soil testing. I mean, soil testing mm -hmm. is just, 
you got to know us in the soil. And like my YouTube channel, I preach it. Anybody that I talk to, I preach it. Um, it can save you time, money and the environment. Like so at, mm -hmm. at the same time, like, like, why would you why would you not get a soil test that your local extension office can do for 10 bucks, whatever, whatever that may be? Or you can go get a, a, another test from one of the big labs. I use Spectrum Analytics. Okay, maybe it'll cost you. I mean, I think it cost me like 15 or 19 bucks to do it. But that's a small investment to the amount of information that you can get to help improve your lawn and to also get the results that you're looking for and save some money. Like, I, I think it's just a small investment, small task to do to get so much more out of it. I, yeah, I, I have high praise for you. I just have such high praise for you because in my business, my practice, soil testing is standard. And yeah. unlike my competition, I don't make a big deal out of it. I mean, the, my competition does this to their customers. They say, oh, we don't know what's going on with your lawn and your landscape, so we're going to draw a soil test and we're going to charge you for it. They make such a big deal about, about it. And, and I, I tell people, look, I'm going to pull this soil test so that I know what's happening. I'm not guessing. I'm not chasing my tail. And you get the results that you know, you're looking for the first time every time because in other words i don't want to be like the lawn guys you bounce because they weren't delivering the results and let let me guess at no time did those guys ever talk to you about getting a soil test done nope and and then when i right before i got rid of them as i had started learning i said hey can um can i see my see my soil test and like what 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 was my soil testing uh, results couldn't provide. They it. didn't have them. They didn't have them because and they I didn't do that. it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Matt, how, how many? How many of those True Green programs were based on a soil test? Right. But you know, I hear, I hear a lot of this from pro applicators. Is um, you know, what am I going to do? Buy a different bag of fertilizer from for every lawn. And, and you know, that's not how you implement a lawn care company at scale, right? Is by testing every company and making, you know, such a minute adjustment that you've got 344 SKUs of products that you get guys going out with every day. But what you can do is measure based on a particular neighborhood or, or test on a particular neighborhood. You can test on a particular route. You can test on a particular quadrant of the, of the city. You can test on um, every two routes or however you want to do it and then apply some averages and uh, and and you'll notice trends in certain areas of your city or certain neighborhoods, and then you can make adjustments based off that data. The more data sets you have, the more you know hyper hyper specific you can be. But it doesn't have to be so dialed in that you know. Oh man, I've got I've got one for every customer, and I you know I you know like I know Ray Rabel makes for every customer, but if you've got six thousand customers and 33, 33 techs that take care of it, you know they can't they can't mix for for every customer, and that's you know you got to think about 
you know, I'm only getting paid, you know, 60 bucks to treat, uh, an 8,000 square foot yard. You know, I don't have the budget to be able to do a custom product for, for every yard that I'm on kind of sort of thing, you know, but if you, if you at least collect some data sets across an area and then convert that into averages, you may see, you know, look, I'm all the way off the chart on potassium right here. Why the hell am I spending all this money on potassium? You know, I'm already at 300 parts per million. There's no reason for me to be spending any money on it. Let's save the money and we can just run urea or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And what I was going to say, that's, that's where I think easiest thing to do. If you, if you really want to make this easy, right. From a blending standpoint and from a, a a product standpoint, I'd have a one-to-one N decay. I'd have an N only. So whatever your soil type is. So if you need to have ammonium sulfate, if you're alkaline, if you need to have urea, if you're uh, acidic, either way, right? And then the last one would be a one-one-one. If you have those three SKUs in your system, you could make a lot of good things happen. Like a lot of good things happen. And just base it off of that. So that's a good, you're gonna that's mix a, and match that's and a good strategy, right? You, just, you okay. just build your program off that. So go ahead, Ray. Yeah, because I mix for each customer, but then it's based on, Ryan said it again, one, one, one. Then two, you know, two, one, two. Uh, then one, zero, one. And then I have a wild card in there that is calcium and magnesium nitrate base. And that is a special situation where I'm working on soil that is known to be calcium and magnesium deficient. And that is the limiting factor in turf growth. So, but I don't just randomly load up 111. And do every single lawn. No, because what will happen is if 111 is, say, put on a calcium and a magnesium deficient lawn, I'm going to put down that 111 and get nothing and be made to look very stupid very fast. So I just want to get on that. I don't know. Yeah. And that is where if. I don't have the soil test. I won't know which one of those base formulas is even needed on that site. I'll have no idea. I'm just guessing. Yeah. And I'm not a good guesser and I'm not a good gambler. So <laughs> there. <laughs> you can't like rub the dirt between your hands and taste it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Taste it. Well, that seems like a, it's high in magnesium. So I think we're going to apply some lime. <laughs> And knock that magnesium off, <laughs> make some room that soil colloid. Some hydrogen. <laughs> make some, some room yeah. for some hydrogen. We're going to knock out some walls here, boys. We're going to do a little bit of remodeling, and we're going to put a nice <laughs> little love seat in here by the fireplace for that calcium. That's right. What as a matter of doing? fact, as a matter of fact, uh, Jay Pink, if you could pull up his backyard here, let's let's spend the next 30 minutes or so balancing these cations into, uh, into perfect ratios. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> somewhere 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 Albrecht spirit has is has been exercised right there and he's like oh boy they're talking about my stuff oh this is great 68 percent something to something or another yeah right. hey there sonny 
Sunny Gem, you got a little too much calcium there. It's at 20.9. <laughs> what do you think we ought to do about that? So for for people that are listening to this and have no idea what the hell we're talking like, about. Yeah, we're, we're off in the deep end here. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is some way inside baseball. There is some inside baseball, but. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's bit, not. But... Uh, a little bit. There, there, uh, there is a methodology of interpreting soil tests and managing soil tilth um, by a method called the base cation saturation ratio, BCSR, and it was developed by this guy Albrecht, and um, and it's this idea that if you achieve this magic ratio of cal to magnesium to potassium. Um, and hydrogen that you hit this bizarre equilibrium of the perfect soil structure. And it's been vetted in turf. It's been vetted in agriculture and it, you know, it doesn't, yes, it would be a nice soil structure if you can get there. It's next to impossible to achieve. Um, And it's dependent on you having at least uh, the the minimum levels of uh, sufficient levels of these nutrients because if you're deficient in any one it will wreck the ratios at which these apply to one another and then therefore you're chasing numbers of depleting all deficient numbers right if you just have one of them out of whack your starting point if it's out of whack then everything is going to be in a deficient state from that point and you're constantly chasing towards deficiency, which doesn't make any sense, right? Why would you spend years manipulating your soil cation ratios towards deficiency, right? But that's the silliness of chasing the BCSR method. Rather, the easiest thing to do is to uh, manage your uh, minimum levels of sustainable nutrition, MLSN, right? And I'm not saying that you maintain it at MLSN levels, but you make sure you have at least the minimum levels of sustainable nutrition for each individual input in the soil. What's up, Ryan? Ray, why don't you explain to the folks yeah. here, to, and especially to Cam and his viewers, right? Because I'm sure that there's a, a number, I know there's a number of different soil testing options that folks have out there, right? And there's some labs, right, that cater to this methodology. And hey, more power to them if they have a customer base and they're making money off of it and sleeping at night, you know, all, all the more power in the world to them. But, you know, can you explain to Cam and his his viewers that might jump on here and watch this or when he goes back and makes some more videos on the soil testing front about how those labs work right and then also maybe some of the marketing that folks might see from different fertilizer companies right or distributors mm -hmm. that kind of use that methodology to their advantage from a marketing standpoint right right well bcsr is based on that you know that theory or that hypothesis that if you have the correct ratio of calcium to magnesium to potassium, your soil pH falls within that optimal range between, you know, 6.5 and 7. Your soil also has very good drainage. It's not sticky. It's not poorly aerated. In other words, it's perfect soil. However, uh, 
in order to get that, for example, they will tell you to do wacky things, like, for example, add even more calcium to a soil that is already high pH. And the reason why they'll tell you to do that is, oh, you need to increase your calcium to magnesium and potassium ratio. And once you do that, your soil will, you know, do do what you want it to do, where in actual practice, nothing could be further from the truth. I don't subscribe to BCSR. I do, however, start to take a look at certain things like soil pH uh, and magnesium ratios specifically in that if somebody does have a high magnesium ratio, I will sometimes look at their soil and the soil texture and if their pH is over 7, my recommendation to them will be to lower that soil pH or to deliberately flush out that excessive magnesium, you know, via what's called an acid flush. And the acid flushing products, however, are not proprietary. They're not sold by any, you know, company that is affiliated with these uh, labs that, uh, you know, practice this BCSR, you know, soil management methodology. In fact, uh, you know, full disclosure, I am not affiliated with any fertilizer or agronomic product company at all. I have no affiliation. One thing I'll <laughs> yeah, same thing here. And the one thing I'll say about this too, and this point gets brought up sometimes with other similar, similar soil testing methodologies in that it is directional analysis, right? That we're just trying to move the direction of, right? So this, this is the fallback, right? So like when you get the, uh, you know, the pushback on the sales, right? So you get an objection of, man, putting out a lot of freaking calcium here and there ain't a whole lot happening. What's going on? Well, you know, hey, well, now we're not trying to hit this number, but we're, you know, we're just moving it in the right direction, right? It's going up <laughs> a little bit directionally, right? It's going up. And so again, it's I I'll give these people credit that they believe what they're saying. And what's George Costanza say? It's not a lie if you believe it yourself. So I, I give them credit that they are convicted and that they believe in their business. And I'm not ishing, uh, wishing any will will on them. I'm just saying from Cam's point of view, right, and from uh, the people that he talks to on YouTube and elsewhere, right, in the lawn care community, that just be aware of it. It's just something that you see out there is just another marketing technique. And I appreciate you being smart about it and choosing a reputable lab, not that these other labs are not reputable. So, all right. With all that said, you're in the armpit of the weather world in the mid-Atlantic. I don't know that there's ever a day that it's comfortable between Memorial Day and Labor Day in the mid-Atlantic. I don't think it's possible. Nope. If you're in Tennessee, though, I mean, it's you're just counting down the days of the football season at this point. You know, I got to slip that <laughs> two reference weeks in there to make, Two weeks until kickoff what do you get, in Tennessee. What do, you, what do you have, like, what do you have, like, Coastal Carolina or something like that or, like, some cupcake coming in there it's none of your damn business it's none of your damn business <laughs> listen National i've been watching all the bust. practice reports and i am 100 percent convinced we're going to win the natty this year 
100 percent. Hey, you got the, you got that Michigan kid playing quarterback for you. So good, you know, God bless, God bless. Like, I've got nowhere right, to go so, but down from here. <laughs> it's going to be a steep and precipitous fall. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so, shut up. All right, the backyard. You mentioned some stuff, and, and so there's there's two big questions I have for you. Is number one. What are the issues with it? Because you said the backyard, and you kind of said it very ominously, right? Of some of the things that may be going on back there. And secondly, just kind of looking ahead, you know, towards the end here is, you know, as you're going through this and, and talking, what are you trying to learn? You, you learned a lot, it sounds like, in the last several years, right? And you've really built up your knowledge base and your network of people to ask and everything like that. But as we go through this part in the backyard is, you know, tell us what you're looking for and reaching for, you know, in the next year or so that you want to learn get better at understand more and hopefully rather than do it all the at the end and try to agglomerate it hopefully we can do it as we go hopefully we can do it as we go so the backyard it doesn't look that bad dude like i mean i'm looking at pictures okay that looks bad that looks bad <laughs> that looks good that looks good that looks good that yeah looks really like good. it looks good but you, then your old lady's got to be really listen, proud of you. Like seriously, she better be like, I can't listen, believe you did that. That's amazing. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> every morning walk out. Of, you should walk out on that deck, and she should come back in the house, and she said, "Damn, Cam, that shit looks good." It yeah. Looks good. Have you stopped wearing a shirt anywhere you go around the house at this point? Because it, that's what I would do. I would no longer wear a shirt, and I'd be like, "Listen." You see, you see what I'm capable of now. How dare you have it ever doubt me? As a result of that, I'm never going to wear another shirt in this motherfucking house again. Okay. Thank you so much. But go ahead. I did. I messed up. So, so the only the only downside the only downside to what you just said, Matt, is the fact that I don't wear a shirt in the house anyway because I'm just country <laughs> and I me grew too. up barefoot and no shirt on with diapers. <laughs> Like, so that's just the way I grew up. So I don't wear a shirt anyway. <laughs> so, so it wouldn't be any so, different. Yeah. So no, no difference. But no, can there you go? There's, but, but there's seriously, turf in there. Robert Palmer saying he doesn't wear a shirt ever <laughs> in the chat. He even knows. But serious. But seriously, this lawn looks nice and green. But you know what I see in this lawn? Before you even mention it, super high disease pressure. I oh, yeah. see it. Yep. And you know, you know what, you know why I'm seeing it? The trees and the shade. Two, no, not only that. Uh, there's another something that I've come to recognize where if somebody has some kind of a solid fence all around their lawn. Oh. My, yeah, the air my sprayer, my sprayer, and my fungicides are like on, you know, basically DEFCOM five at all times. Defcom because, one? wait, yeah, I have well, one. No, I gotta look that up. But, but anyway, because of that lack of airflow, all it mm -hmm. takes is a little rain. All it takes is a humid day. And we're off to the races. And that, too, you know what else makes that even more troubling? The organic matter that you put in 
to the soil. I don't know because now you, you have do that, so- or was that somebody else? I mean, we're going to blame you, obviously, if you did, but. Yeah, but within the organic matter that is in the soil is not your friend because I remember dealing with a walled-in lawn that had tons of organic matter put down during establishment and then icing on the cake was the landscaper then top-dressed the lawn with another half-inch worth of organic matter. In October. And my disease season is literally from October till May, where I'm at. <laughs> I think there I think there's a cottage industry in the Honolulu area of landscapers that just conspire to make Ray crazy. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a communist plot to overthrow Ray <laughs> in the lawn government so make- in Honolulu. Yeah, I'm convinced yeah. of it. What to make me to- to totally let's lose my mind and uh, end up locked away in in the secure facility here? Yeah, I can see that. So, so Ray, I I completely agree with you. Um, I will be honest and I'll be a hundred percent transparent. I ordered way too much damn topsoil <laughs> when I did the top dressing. I only wanted to do a couple little spots and it ended up being a full top dress. And <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard on the show, y'all have talked about the engineers that have misapplied applications and stuff more than anybody else. I haven't miscalculated an <laughs> application, but I did miscalculate how much soil I needed. <laughs> oh, boy. But so, what I, what I okay. will say, like, Sorry, I agree. Like, so disease pressure, I told you we were going to talk about fungus. We were going to talk about disease pressure. Those are mm-hmm. definitely some things that, that I battle. And those are some things that I, that I fight with. Um, so that first, the, the, the picture that everybody was like, oh, man, that looks good with the cross pattern. So that was last, that was last year. That was after my, this one. So this was after my initial renovation. Came in looking great, tall fescue. I mean, looked amazing oh, as you can see. But it was also being cut at about four and a quarter <laughs> tall. So that was Ray, my cover issue. Your ears. That that <laughs> was my know. issue. It's that okay. was one of my issues that that I learned. I, I and I and I went back and I learned over the season. I implemented some new cultural practices. Um, to address that. But what you will see, the one picture where everything looks kind of terrible, that was from disease pressure. So I ended up getting pythium about the middle of June. Yes, this one. That is the same lawn a couple of, that's probably two to three weeks later. Holy shit. Same lawn probably three weeks later. Lord. Lord. (laughs) So what happened is, yeah, so Did what you put happened your shirt is back I, on when that happened? That's you gotta put your shirt I, back on, man. I almost <laughs> moved out, I almost moved uh, I almost moved out the house and went to stay with somebody else. That's what happened. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of yeah, you, you you come home to that one and your shit's in the driveway already. She already put it out there for you. Like that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> 
Yeah. Man. So I was. So what did you do? I was. I was crushed. I, I mean, I, I didn't be, even yeah, want to look at the awful. yard. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything. But what I knew is I had to figure it out. I had to dig deeper into the books, and I had to figure it out. And that's what I did. I so it. I dug in. I took. I started taking samples. Um, I started doing more and more research, and I figured out that it was Pythium. And mm-hmm. I went and got some Ephinoxum and just at least got it down to see what it was going to do if it would stop it. And it was able to at least stop it from spreading. And at that point, I was like, okay, boom, I've identified what the issue is. I know now that next year I need to have a game plan because I have the potential for getting Pythium. I need to have a game plan Mm -hmm. for this going forward into next year. I'm going to have to fix all this all over again, but I need to have a game plan going into next year. So. What I did after I learned all of that information, identified what it was, I was like, all right, cool. It was the end of the year. I just chalked it up and was like, all right, I'm going to have to basically redo all of this. Um, Some of the spots there in the center were like those low areas. And that's kind of where it started because they they were holding rain and they were holding water and moisture in those areas. So I really only intended to just level those little areas just a little bit and be done. But I ended up ordering too much soil, mm. and I just ended up doing a light top dress across the whole thing because it was already back there, and what the hell, I can't take it back out at that point. No. Um, so I just kind of spread it a, l- <laughs> a little. So from this point, you basically had to start over again how long ago was this this was this was last fall it looked like this last fall going into over going into overseeding last fall this was 2020 okay Okay. so then what did you do differently this year to keep that from happening again I paid attention to the grass factor and I sent in my soil test and we talked about and we talked about uh phosphites. So <laughs> one of the things that I did pick up from y'all, uh I think Ryan and Matt both brought it up when y'all looked at my soil test previously, um, mm-hmm. was it was like, Oh, you mentioned pythium. I'd be going down with phosphites on a regular basis, uh, at least on a 14 day interval. Um, and I'd, I have a preventative, like as soon as disease pressure is high, I'd have a preventative going down at a very frequent rate. So I took that information. I was like, cool, I'm gonna go figure out what phosphites are. Cause I had zero idea what phosphites were. Um, so I did the good old trust, but verify. And then I started digging into phosphites. I love it. And at that point I started learning that they're SAR elicitors, and they basically just make sure that they um, increase the immune system um, on the plants, kind of engage that defense system on the plant. So I'm like, all right, okay, that might be a little true fear and read some more articles and stuff about it. And it was particularly good for pythium type diseases. I was like, I, I can't go wrong with it. I mean, I know I had pythium last year, so going down with it, I, I can't can't go wrong. 
And then I also identified the methanoxin would actually work. So at that point in time, now I've got my preventative fungicide to go down with, and I've got a little extra booster with the phosphites. So I'm like, all right, boom, Mm -hmm. I'm going down with them on a 14-day interval, and we're going to make it happen. And I also lowered my height of cut. So I took my height of cut this year. I've been maintaining it at three inches all year um, on in the back. That's a damn fine plan. Okay. Looks like it all worked. of it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. I, I it worked. Mean, that, that's, that's exactly what's yeah. supposed to happen. And it did. Shirts back off. And you love to see it. Yep, yeah. shirts back <laughs> off, walking through barefoot. How <laughs> do you like me now? So, you know, I think this is a good a good example, though, of, you know, Ray, you know, talk real quick about the disease triangle. What is, what is the disease triangle? What are the elements that we need to have, right, with that so that folks understand? And you're going to have to picture a okay. triangle because... Well, let me see if if uh, J-Pink can pull up uh, a picture of it here real quick. I'll send him one. Go ahead and talk. Send him one. But then your disease triangle involves one susceptible host, which would be the grass, two desirable environmental conditions, some of which may be influenced by your cultural practices. And lastly, you need to have the pathogen. So. When you have all three of those meeting up and forming the triangle, then you have the perfect storm. And you can see what you see. But for a lot of people, when they start to really dive into their cultural practices, then they're, in effect, modifying the conditions that provide a favorable environment and that's why for example when you mentioned mowing lower uh i'm personally a fan of mowing lower because mowing lower helps the grass dry out sooner and like in my area optimal height for most grasses is literally below an inch Because if the grass doesn't dry out quickly during the wet part of the year, uh, you may not have a lawn. So, you know, you do that. Uh, And you mentioned something about your nitrogen rates as well. You said you went a little bit lower for your spring nitrogen. And that helps too in that if you make your grass grow too thick, too full, too much, then that then creates that environment where your grass doesn't stay dry because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they always push to have their grass, oh, I want my grass thick, I want my grass green. Uh, On the other hand, you've heard me say it where, no, good words for me when I'm talking about grass is short and thin. You know, and that's specifically. And, 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 <laughs> and, and Ray, I've, I've learned that from experience. 
Like I've definitely learned mm. that from experience. Like I am, I am not a fan. Like I love my lawn to be thick. I, I agree. I, I, everybody loves a thick lawn. I'm going to be honest. I'm deep thatching, deep thatching, but I'm thinning it out. It's a little too thick for me in the back, to be honest, because of the mm-hmm. environmental conditions that I have. Um, right. I'm yeah. actually going to, th- I'm actually going to thin it out a little bit. And I mm-hmm. want to get some different cultivars in there that are, that, that I've seen personally perform a little better. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go with a light, a very light overseeding, but overall, I think it's going to thin it out more than it is with the thickness that I'm gonna, gonna add with the new seed. Um, and, and people ask me all the time, they was like, Cam, how do I get my lawn thick? How do I get my, I, I just need to add some more seed. And I was just talking to somebody today about that. I was like, be careful what you wish for because seeding and getting it too thick, now you've got a whole different problem that you really can't fix. It's going to be the survival of the fittest. It's going to die off. Like it, it's, it's going to, you're going to have a lot more die back at that point in time. So what did you really accomplish by making it thicker? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I guess I think you, there's all... you've learned from the Pythium monster. You've learned from the Pythium I, monster, I guess. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there's something to be said for that in terms of choosing your mowing height correctly, right? And some of the cultural practices that we see. Like we see people, you know, with the, uh, the Sunjo E. Thatcher just going bonkers, right? And, some, and typically what we've seen so far this year has been at, very, very, very inopportune times, like right. incredibly uh, inopportune yes. times. Right. You you are on the right track of fall being the right time to do yeah. that where you can gain some recovery in your existing turf, right? Thin out, open up the canopy so that you can overseed into that existing turf. If it were me, I would be using growth regulators all day long to try and stunt that stuff and set it back so that you give that those new seedlings as much of an advantage and a competitive advantage as possible, right? The sunlight situation, what side what side of the house is the back lawn on? North, south, east, west? Uh so it's it's more of a south side a little bit. But the tree the thing is okay. is that the trees the trees change all of that. Like it it just yes. it the trees just change all of that. Um so it, it doesn't this main section that we're looking at here that's like kind of closer to the camera. Um, mm-hmm. That area is almost full sun until the evening right now, but probably about halfway that backyard is almost full shade almost all day after noon, 11 or noon. It gets the morning sun, but that's about it. Is it fair to say that you see the onset of your pythium developed closer to the fence and the trees there? For sure. For sure. Okay. So, you know, other things here from a cultural standpoint, you know, you're not going to take the fence out. You need that, obviously. Um, you know, to contain all the ladies from coming in and seeing you with your shirt off, you you got to keep them warded <laughs> off. I mean, it's important. It's important. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, strict, it's strictly a security measure. That being yeah. said, from a cultural practice on your lawn, right? Um, you know, I'm not sure what the trees look like up above, but you know, 
if, if there is room to maybe do some selective pruning there and allow a little bit more sunlight, I think you might have a little bit better luck. Shade and lack of air movement are definitely going to compound the effects of yeah. pythium, right? You know, so yeah. the other thing I would say too is, you know, from your watering practices and from a drainage standpoint, I'm assuming, you know, typically in these subdivisions, which it looks like you live in, a lot of these lots are graded towards the back of the house, so they fall out towards the fence. And so water's going to lay there. The thing yeah. you have to understand about pythium, it is a waterborne fungus. It needs water for the spores to travel and infect you know, subsequent grass downstream of it, right? So that'd be another thing too, is if you do have drainage issues back there, try and solve those as well. That's another cultural thing that you can do to improve your chances here. Uh, tall fescue is always going to be susceptible. You know, there's certain species that are more susceptible than others to pythium. However, when we look at the pythium pathogen, we call it, you know, omnivorous, right? Meaning that it will target anything it can get, right? It yeah. doesn't, it, yeah. it's not very picky about what it wants to eat, right? And yeah. when it sees shaded environment, fence there, all that kind of stuff, you know that Pythium's just saying, oh yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. It's putting on, it's, it's putting on that lobster bib and she's going to go eat. So I think some of those things would definitely help from a cultural standpoint. You know, and the other thing is here too, um, just uh, like you said, Overall density is going to affect it, right? I mean, if, it, if your turf is overly dense. So manage that in the fall. Don't fall in the trap of, I got to go out there in the spring and I got to tear the hell out of this with the thatcher and get it ready for summer. Like, I see people doing that. Ray, Ray, what do you do <laughs> when people go out there? And, if somebody said, oh, it's October and I decided to go ahead and sculpt my zoysia because it seemed like a good idea. How long would it take for your veins to pop out of your head, right? <laughs> and for you to potentially have an aneurysm. Oh, Not that, very that's long. just I'm seconds. seconds. That's, just, that, that's just like, uh, you know, my heart attack scenario basically is, <laughs> you know, somebody telling me that Ray is Fred starting Sanford. To, Elizabeth. Yeah, it's starting Elizabeth. to, yeah, it's, it's starting to cloud over, start raining, and they're talking about. I want to go do all of this stuff to the grass. And likewise, when in the tall fescue KBG growing areas, people talk about it's springtime and they want to do all of this to their grass. Uh, that's likewise a heart attack. Whereas on the other hand, if somebody tells me it is fall and they're going to, you know, thin out and reseed with the better varieties okay that's a good time and also that is actually the time when you should be ramping your nitrogen back up is in the fall up until dormancy that's when you put down your nitrogen i'm gonna that's your optimum Maybe time is you know you a... going into fall Going to fall, you so, know, so, the grass up. So, Ray, I agree with you. Um, my thing is, is I, I actually do all of my work in the fall, to be honest with you. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm going to destroy the lawn, if I'm going to do rental work, if I'm going to do anything, it's going to be in the fall. Like, I, come the spring, all I'm doing is getting woke up, 
getting a little nitrogen to it once times and 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 temps and everything get right and i'm gonna cut it and i'm gonna keep it cut mm -hmm. and i'm gonna start mm -hmm. prepping for for the summer but i'm i'm not going out there trying to overhaul in the spring um Mm, I've, I've mm. learned that already. I, I've learned that. Right. right. Oh, in your, in your area, uh, weather-wise, yeah, not good. Not good. And the uh, it's just uh, knowing your grass and knowing you know your your area, and you know where your seasons fall. That is just uh, half the battle, I think, because I basically. Like in my area, I tell people October till at least April is a do not touch the grass and be thankful it's even still alive. You know, in my yeah. area. And and see, and likewise, that's what I tell people. <laughs> I tell people that too, through yeah. like the June, the June um through August period. Like that's that's what I'm mm -hmm. telling people. Like, you know what? Yeah. And, and enjoy your lawn up before then. If June, late June hits July and August, just strap in, hold on. The best thing that you can put on it is some water. And everybody's yes. like, well, I want to go throw this down. I want to go throw that down. And let me put this, put some water on it. Like, that's what you can go put on it. If you want to put anything on it, and people look at me like, all I've really done through the whole summer is mm -hmm. I think my last heavy fert app was like late May. It was like late May was right. my last good good fert app. And mm -hmm. I think I went down close probably about a half a pound and that was right. it. And then through right. the summer, I think come like July four, like right around July, I gave it maybe a quarter pound of liquid. And I and then I just gave mm -hmm. it a liquid app. And just just a little something to get it through the summer in case if if I had a little little disease pressure in there, I could might get it to grow out if it just wanted to have a little bit of energy that, to get through the rest of the summer. And that was it. I haven't applied any granulars at all through the summer. I'm just strapped in, making sure my watering is right. And it got me in and got me through the season. And now temps are starting to go down. I'm going to do my aerating and overseeding and I'm going to pound it and get it back up and growing and we'll do it all over again. Yeah, I'm not that, sure there's an episode is, of the show that, that I've ever fist pumped more. Ray, go ahead. Yeah, because I think for some people, uh, you got to ask them, the money you spent on all of that stuff that you spread and you sprayed on your lawn, could have gone towards water because okay like i was talking to jay pink uh you know before the show started and i and i told him the same thing is that right now my focus currently is making sure grass has the 101 percent irrigation system because it's not raining so grass needs water. That is more important than anything in a bag, bottle, package, whatever. Water is uh, is king. Water is king. So, you know, it's not about 
for example, people ask, how do you get the, the grass so green? And you know what I tell them? <laughs> water. 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 Yeah, you give it water. And in my case, by ensuring that the irrigation is uniform, that then means that the color of the grass is also an even green all throughout. Even more so and, than and, uh, magic stuff in a bag. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ryan, um, to your point, um, especially for the back portion of that lawn uh, in the backyard, you were telling me, like, as far as your my irrigation, I haven't watered at all in, along that back area um, at all this sure. year because I realized that. And then I was like, you know what? It's going to hold moisture and it's in the shade It's holding that moisture for a longer period of time. So I was like, you know what? I'm just not even going to run my back, my back sections of my irrigation that I spent all. That was the hardest part of that damn irrigation system to put in. And you I don't, don't even, even use it. it. I don't even use That's it, it like, at all. Um, Someday you will and, the, you won't, and you won't curse it. I, the only time it really gets used, and I, the way I see it going forward, is probably going to be for uh, like overseeding time. Just a little, a little bit of water to it, just to make sure it stays there. But that's about it. Like it, 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 it doesn't even get used. I don't even think I've ran it all season. That's good stuff. No, I think you're on the right track. And J Ping, throw that up real quick. And I'll run through this real quick before we start to wrap it up here. But the uh, the one thing I want to reiterate to the people that are watching again: your fiscal year for cool season turf starts September first, right? Yep. If you aren't mm -hmm. building, if you aren't doing all the cultural practices, building those roots so that they can get through winter and then turn into good spring roots and get you through summer, because again, look at what's going to happen here. That shrinkage of roots is two reasons, right, Ray? Number one, it's freaking 90 degrees in that soil, probably. Probably 95, yes. right? Where Cam's Maybe. at. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous soil temperatures are going to shrink those roots. Now, the other thing that's going to shrink those roots too, right? The way that we make energy for the plant is photosynthesis, right? That's how we make energy. We use respiration to consume that energy. And so in the summertime, our respiration rates typically are higher than our, photo, our photosynthesis rates, right? So we're consuming more than we can make, right? And that's what's going to deplete the, these root systems. So if you haven't done the work in the fall and or you have effed it up in the spring by stressing the plant out to the point where it's got to expend a lot of carbohydrate reserves to push back new growth because you went out there and dethatched it and did all this weird stuff that you felt like you needed to do. <laughs> and to your point of people feeling like they just need to do something, right? When nothing is just fine, right? Hardest thing to do on grass is just do nothing. Right, Ray? That's right. And so this is where I'm saying is like, get yourself in gear so that you're ready to go in the fall. And I'm sure it's the same down there in Tennessee, right, Matt? When you got tall fescue in Tennessee, this is go time. Full tilt right now. Got to go. Just like those vols. That, 
knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. I was. When you originally said that, like that was what where I was mentally, was that you were making was, a UT joke, but then you just stopped at full tilt down there in Tennessee. And I was like, well, there's no UT joke. So I guess I'll no, just No, seriously, that was a, it was a four-minute setup for me to rag on UT. Thank you so much for doing that. I even <laughs> used the cool season root shoot growth curve to rag on UT. So Tom Samples would be proud right now. And if you don't Hi. know who Tom Samples is, he's well, a sure big teddy bear. Wait, what's it? <laughs> have you been in class before, sir? I'm a, I'm a sixth year senior. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good to meet you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate you uh, being around the program. You've been, you've been a you've been a real big help. And he's like, what, what's the guy's name? I, I've seen I him before. I don't. I don't. I can't remember. I hope Tom Samples, I, I, we J Pink, if we can, we got to invite Tom Samples up to GIE Live. We got to get him up there. <laughs> so <laughs> I would love to see that. I would love to see it. All right. So as we're starting to wrap up here and get, we're getting close on time here before we get to the after show, which we won't do, but we, we will do it, but we won't tell you more about it until later. Um, is there any more questions you have, Cam? Is there anything you're looking forward to for? learning over the winter deep diving on anything we can riff on at least now to get you pointed in the right direction uh because i'll tell you what i love the tenacity that you have i love not not the herbicide matt don't get triggered don't get triggered uh i love the the tenacity that you have i love the drive that you have to just say all right something's messed up let's go fix it right people freak out all the time and we're we're not immune to it either as pros right there's not one of us here that doesn't look at something every day and be like, oh, shit, that's not good, <laughs> right? And have to do the <laughs> same exact thing of what the hell am I going to do? Who am I going to call? What book am I going to read? Which paper am I going to search for? Or, you know, um, yeah, how much am I going to have to bury myself into this to get myself out of it? And so with all that said, what are those things? I mean, are there are there one or two things that you can think of, you know, tangible things right now that you're, worried, concerned, or just looking forward to deep diving into more here in the next six, eight months. Yeah. So, um, I think we talked, we, we talked on one of my big ones, um, which was the organic matter. Um, that was, that's one of the ones that I really wanted to, uh, to kind of deep dive in. Was it important? How does it really in, in impact like uh, your turf growth and all of that. Um, is it something mm -hmm. that you need to chase? Uh, all of that. Like, is, is, what's the benefits and the pros and cons of, of, uh, your organic matter content and soil? Um, so we did start talking about that and that was a, that was a good segue for me. Um, so that's one of the things I'm really going to be looking at, um, over the fall, um, and, and going into the winter. Uh, one thing that I did want to talk about. Uh, just ask this mm -hmm. question. Um, you know, so here in Maryland, we've got a fertilizer ban or a blackout um, starting November 15th. So here, I mean, we still got a decent amount of growing that happens after November 15th. Um, I was still full tilt cutting in mid-December of last year. So I've started looking into like slow release, um, so some potential like uh reace and some of the, some like uflex uMax options potentially 
trying to to weigh that option of maybe getting a little bit more feed a little later into the season after I can't actually make an application. Um, even though so, I know the growth rate and the and the need for the plant to actually want to take up that material may be a little bit slower. What do you think about the benefits or should that even be an option? So I'll I'll speak on this real quick about, you know, just nitrogen uptake and what drives it and particularly what's been found recently. So the old school way of thinking was that um and this was a, a study that was pioneered um University of Kentucky um way 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 back 67 or something like that where they said hey if you do a late season application about that November 15th time go ahead and send it and you're going to have awesome green lush turf all the way through winter clear up until about Memorial Day right so you know roughly the same latitude about where you are Lexington Kentucky over there on the end of Maryland right so that was kind of the, as Ray likes to point out, the dogma for a number of years, about five decades, in fact, right? So what ended up happening is uh, some folks at the University of Wisconsin took a look at that and they said, hey, is this true? Like, why, you know, why do we do this? And is there, you know, the same benefit that we would typically see if we went earlier or later, right? Like, where, what is the science behind this? Mm -hmm. And so what they studied and what they figured out was that, so... If they made an application of nitrogen, right? And now this is in Wisconsin, so it's a little bit further north of what you are, but you can kind of extrapolate the dates and kind of take it from there. What they found was if you made an application of nitrogen on September 15th in Madison, Wisconsin, right? And then you made that same application in on November 15th in Madison, Wisconsin, 88% less nitrogen entered the plant with a November application as compared to the September application. Now, why is that? Right? What is the mechanism that makes that take place? Well, it's a process that's called mass flow. Mass flow is the process where nutrients diffuse across a membrane on the root and with all the water that comes into the plant, right? So the water demand dictates what's coming into the plant and with it comes exactly. nutrients, right? Exactly. So as we have shorter day lengths, we have more moisture in the soil because of fall rains and things like that, there's less demand for water. Is that demand falls off, right? The amount of nitrogen that actually goes into the plant is reduced. So that being said, those late season applications and some of the slow release applications that you can use, I think would be beneficial to a certain extent. It's just about picking the right source. Ray, why don't you tell real quick, nobody probably even uses, maybe even Matt Martin is too young to have used IBDU. Oh, IBDU I was like, the, was, like the, was the go-to <laughs> for this shit. Back in the day, isobutyl diarrhea, right, Ray? Why was IBDU so popular? IB why is it not so popular now? Okay, the reason why IBDU, yeah, the reason why IBDU is not popular is because its release rate is literally glacial, meaning you throw down IBDU-based fertilizer, you're not going to see the nitrogen from that released and totally released for at least two to three years. In other words, if you were to load your soil with IBDU granule, you're going to have nitrogen release happening, and that nitrogen release is going to happen depending on the temperatures. Higher the temperatures, the more in is released. And by the way, if you are in a situation where 
you are not only warm but also wet that would be the absolute last time of the season where i'd want to be releasing a lot of nitrogen actually i mean i just don't want it and incidentally that is where high organic matter soils tend to mineralize at a high rate and start releasing everything they have to the grass when the grass actually doesn't want it or need it and you don't want it or need it because you're trying to keep your grass thin and short at that time to you know mitigate disease so IBDU was one of those products where we in the industry in the 1990s and 1980s we were promised a lot like we were told okay at establishment time throw down IBDU based starters and for the rest of the season or in my case the rest of the year I don't need to put down anything else or throw down one time a year heavy on established lawns and you don't need to do anything else you just ride that nitrogen release but I don't know of anybody and I mean anybody that does that to turf anymore because of what I mentioned. There are some golf courses I know, but they're not using IBDU, but they're using a straight nitroform. And uh, I oh, have UF, heard, UF. Yep. I've heard of those guys doing, um, you know, two and three pounds in, in a single pass for the season or every other year. Mm-hmm. Well, I still see nitroform or UF in fertilizers intended for trees and shrubs like uh i'm familiar with the micronized uf and by the way that stuff is not fun to mix and keep into suspension but the way that it was applied was you put that through a root feeding needle right give the trees and shrubs a shot of that stuff and you only need to do that once a year or every other year. And that's your that's your nitrogen source, uh, you know, for the trees and shrubs. But, okay, Matt, true or false? In another time, that same micronized UF was also applied to turf grass as a slow-release nitrogen source. Saw it a lot. Okay, but that is the same thing as throwing down IBDU granule and trying to ride the nitrogen release out of that, you know, slow release uh, IBDU powder or, or UF powder. Because for me, like in my programs, I am almost no slow release other than a certain amount of UMAX. And the purpose of the UMAX is to get more out of my ammonium applications, more out of my urea applications, so that at the end of three or four weeks, the turf doesn't just fall down. The UMAX tends to hold the nitrogen response for another you know, two or three weeks so that the grass still has color and I have time to put down that next application 
But other than that, I don't generally ride, you know, slow release products. Yeah, I'm more of a spoon feeder. Thing. Yeah, I, I think that's the most important part here, Cam, is, you know, just if you do a good job spoon feeding through the fall, there's going to be more than enough there, you know, right in the roots, in the in the plant, essentially, to do what you need to do, make it through. And sometimes you do have those those weird winters where it's really warm and things like that. But again, um, just like I said at the top of this, this is a good good opportunity to start modeling some of those uh, clipping yields, yeah. right? And what you th- what you think you're getting there, and that's going to start telling you a story week over week, month over month, year over year that you can then plan your nitrogen out even better, right? To know what wave you ride. Yeah. So, speaking of riding waves, Matt. Tell us about that testosterone wave you're riding right now. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to get into too much of it right now um, because I've got a video coming out tomorrow where I'll kind of give everybody an update on that. Uh, It's kind of next chapter two where I go go into more specifics where I met with my doctor. I have not started treatment yet, so I'm kind of taking this slow, step by step. Um, But I do know that we have an extended mailbag, so we'll jump into that. Uh, but before then, uh, Cam, where can everybody learn more about you? Uh, where can they learn about what you're doing and all that fun stuff? Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, Elevated Lawnscapes on both YouTube and Instagram. Um, if you're on my Instagram page, I post uh, more frequently there, a little behind the scenes, what's going on. Um, but, uh, on YouTube, yeah, you will catch some full videos. Um, I have started a garden this year as Jay Pink has got going on right there. Um, and the YouTube channel, um, it's a different vibe. It's, it's definitely a different vibe from, uh, the typical YouTube, uh, long care channels. Um, and, and I, I try to aim to, to give you a little, little vibe when, when you come to the channel and, you're going to get me just like me right here. Um, that That's just one of the things that I, I, I bring to it. But I also wanted to bring some uh, a little knowledge base to it. As you've seen from tonight, this is that's my approach is knowledge based, data driven decisions and not trying to give you a quick fix. Um, and if I talk about any products or anything that I'm using, it's because I believe in it and I've used it. And it's just my opinion. I'm going to give you the option and I'm going to put it out there. You can go grab it if you want to. Do your research, make your choice, and go for it. But, yeah, Elevated Lawnscapes, YouTube and Instagram is where you can find me. All right. Let's uh, – and like I said, coming out tomorrow, it'll probably be tomorrow afternoon, there's going to be an extended video on humic acid where we unpack the latest turf grass research on humic acid, and we are going to answer Uh-oh. the angel question – is humic Uh-oh. acid a scam? Ooh. <laughs> uh, also, uh, so let, we'll just go ahead and jump into the mailbag. What we got going on over here, Jay Pink? What do, what do we got this week? Uh, yeah, so real quick, uh, Gregory writes in and says, I enjoy watching your YouTube videos. Must admit, your videos are very informative. I live between Austin and Houston, Texas. I have common Bermuda grass, three acres this year, and after watching your videos... My, lard, my yard looks like a different yard, more like a golf course. I have a rotary mower, <laughs> and my question is about pre-emergent. 
I've put it on my yard. Er, I put on my yard early this spring barricade, uh, active ingredient prodiamine. My local feed store is now carrying a product made by Corteva product called Crew Specialty Herbicide with an active ingredient of dithiopure, azoxaben. So which one would be better for me to use? Thanks. Wait, what was the what was the first one? He had the Corteva, and then what was the other one? Uh, barricade, no. active ingredient prodiamine. Okay, no, so, so it's it, it's crew herbicide. It's 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 gallery. It's isoxaben and dithiopure in the same product. Yes, I like gallery that. plus dimension. Gallery yeah, plus dimension. Use, I'd use the Corteva product. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then uh, we have this from Mike. He is in the process of doing a reno in his yard, and he wants to know if it is worthwhile to dethatch and make everything look like the bottom right corner here before he seeds, or to just seed into a scalped and bagged version of the top left corner here. I don't like the top left corner, Mike, because it's going to offer you a little bit of erosion control, a little bit of protection for that seed, you know? So, uh, you know, you grew it once, you loved it, let it take you out. You know, don't don't dump that girlfriend until you have a new girlfriend, right? That's the way you play that, okay? <laughs> so same thing here with your grass. Don't dump that grass completely until you're on with somebody else. I have... I so seldom did I ever prepare a seed bed that looked like that on the bottom right. It was always because so many of my seed jobs, I was spraying glyphosate and seeding at the same time. So um, there was no <laughs> additional step of removing anything, right? It was, I'm killing seeding at the same time, in and out. Write me a check for $300. I'll see you next month. <laughs> Burn, and I hope I get to return. Yeah. It so, so Matt, that's I can, why it became my standard practice. Matt, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Um, I've done bare dirt, and I've done not so cleaned up, almost a little cleaner than was in the in the upper left. But I guarantee you that I got better results leaving some of that grass there. Um, forget everybody loves peat moss. I hate peat moss. I think it's a waste of money, in my personal opinion. Oh, that's a southern leave some of that dead, leave some of that dead grass there, and it serves the same purpose, and you've saved some money and time and effort, and you'll get the same result. Hundred percent. Serious, serious question to everybody: Would this work if you did this to Bermuda? Would uh, this no, work? Bermuda is a, a totally different animal. Yeah. You need, so, you need are you saying more seed? light at the surface? Yeah, for seeding Bermuda. Uh, so, in other words, I would do well to do my usual, right? If I had to seed Bermuda, yeah, bury it in sand and then and then seed on top of your sand. Light it on fire and then yeah, like all that stuff. Yeah, light it on what fire, incinerate it. Earth, wind, fire, yeah. water, air. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, yeah. And so then, yeah, because I I was just looking at that and thinking that lower, yeah, that lower right-hand picture is basically Mm -hmm. my idea of a prepped seed area is it's dirt and everything has been burnt off of it. 
see literally I, even even that <laughs> for for me would almost be too deep for bermuda mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i would argue that might be a little deep for bermuda i just pictured ray and tights as captain planet so i was spaced out there for a second <laughs> sorry what else we got jay Pink? anything yeah, so we have one more thing, and this is the extended one. And uh, as some of you oh know, boy. this week is Ray's birthday. And so some of the members <laughs> took it upon oh, themselves hey. to record something and uh, send it in. So we're going to go off uh, tonight on some birthday wishes for Ray. So uh, I will let this play. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Don't let your loose skin and sag and balls kill your self-esteem. Happy birthday, Ray. Love you, buddy. You're the man. Happy birthday. <laughs> Bless up, Green Dog. Happy birthday, man. Oh, Respect. Goodness. Hope you enjoy the rest of it. Yeah, Zine? Hey, Ray. Happy birthday. Hey, Ray. Hope your birthday is filled with one-pound ribeyes and coconut shrimp girls. Happy birthday. Hey, Ray. want to wish you a happy birthday, and thank you for all that you've done for our community and for me personally helping me out with all the help that you've given me on my lawn. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ray. And here's your birthday, so... Happy birthday, you filthy Hawaiian. Yo, yo, Ray. Right here. Just want to wish you a happy birthday. Thanks for keeping this group of lawn degenerates in check. Happy birthday, bud. Hey, Ray. It's Mark, a.k.a. Colonel Corn. My dog Sage and I would love to wish you a happy birthday. Have a great year. Hey, what's up, Ray? You can thank JP for coughing up my ridiculous cameo booking fee, uh, but I just want to take a minute to wish you a happy birthday from all your friends over at the Lawn Forum. And you're definitely one of the members who make it the truly special place that it is, so I hope you have a fantastic birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, Ray. You're responsible for that. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Hey, Green Dog, it's Mike with Tiffway. Just wanted to wish you a happy birthday and wanted to thank you for uh, all that you do for us. Hey, Ray, happy birthday, man. Thanks for all the advice, brother. Remember, link in the description below. <laughs> happy birthday, Ray. <laughs> the knowledge that you provide to our community is invaluable. Hope you had a wonderful Did day. Did you write this? Hey, Ray, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Thanks for all that you do. Hi, Ray. Feliz cumpleaños. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir, for everything you do for us. Um, I hope you have a nice fat steak ready for you to enjoy later and perhaps even a CS girl. Have a good one. Hey, Doc. Thank you for being such a pillar of truth and a community full of grifters. Hope you have a great birthday full of coconut shrimp girls and warm tortillas. Ray, happy birthday, man. It's uh, Brian Gilly. Man, I appreciate all your help. The uh, the lawn is looking great this year. Looks better every year. Wouldn't be there without you. You're invaluable. Thanks, man. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ray. Thanks for everything you do for the community. Ray, thank you for everything you do for all of us. And I wish you an energetic birthday. <laughs> Jay Pink, that was amazing. Ray, that was amazing. yeah, man. <laughs> Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Ray. birthday Ray. Thank Happy you, birthday, guys. Man. Thank you, everybody. I mean, I, I don't know. This might be the thing that gives me the heart attack, but in a good way. <laughs> don't, don't, don't drop out on me right here, you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> yeah, we still got the after show. You got to wait till at least then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm going to sign us out. We're headed over to the show after the show. If you would like to watch it, I'm going to warn you right now. It is full of bad words. It's full of grown men talking about grown men things that probably shouldn't be repeated anywhere else other than one time on the internet. And so you get one opportunity to see it and one opportunity live. There are no replays. There's no more existence of it after it's been watched once. If you are interested in that kind of thing, you're interested in additional content and you want to see what really really what goes on in turf managers heads when they see some of the content that's out there on youtube well that's exactly what we expose you to hit the join button and for the cost of an airport beer you get exposed to this you get to join over at the the private discord channel and uh and uh yeah yeah you'll see a link posted over there in dirty deeds for 10 minutes 10 minutes alone and then after that it's gone into the ethos forever thank you so much everybody for tuning in cam thank you so much for being on we appreciate you sir and uh all right Let's all hop on over to the show after the show and see what happens. Happy 